Hey, hey, there we go. Invite to co-host. Bam. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Did that work? Did you get the invite? Now it says you requested. There it is. Welcome, welcome, Hello. sir. How are you? Hi. Wonderful, wonderful. How are you? Oh, so good. Just ate some delicious tacos, so I'm well mm. fed. Got calories to burn. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, very cool. Well, let's uh, do some tweeting about this, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we'll hello, get, everybody. We'll kick it off in a few minutes. It usually takes you know That's two, right. three minutes for people to pop in and see yeah. what's up. You know, there's always that little mm-hmm. like ten seconds of judgment. Like, is this worth sticking around for? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Out quick. <laughs> well, it will be. I tell you that it's gonna, gonna be good. This is true. Oh yeah. So for yeah. your sake, um, you know, you can go through your tweets and like add them uh, to the what's called the nest, I believe. So there mm-hmm. should be like a new button if you go to your tweets or anyone's tweet. Really, there should be like a new share option if you click like the share option you can say add to space and it'll pop up top so if there's anything you want to highlight or put that, up top that's very cool and that then is indeed cool we are recording this space and we'll go Ooh. up on my podcast which i'm reviving with these new uh craftsman creative workshops so thanks for being here cool. but it's very well, much always. very much a co-host thing it's not me with you as a guest it's very much like what we're both, we're both going to talk about these amazing topics of building an audience, uh, writing books, making courses, things that you and I both do, but you do better than I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, so, so you claim, but yeah, so I claim. So much. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice little format. I, I like that. Uh, it's a bit of a mix up from the, the regular old, right? That's good. Yeah. Well, and it's cool because, you know, I thought about like reviving the podcast and just doing it that way, but in true building in public fashion, like this is kind mm-hmm. of like a public podcast, right? You, we're going to mm-hmm. talk for a few minutes, introduce ourselves, talk about a couple of questions that I've queued up for us, but then we'll open yeah. it up and we might invite some people on stage who also know about these things or we'll take questions. And I really want them to be more of a workshop where, you know, we had one before where somebody came up and we were literally diving into their business and giving them feedback and uh, ideas right. and things like that. So it's a cool format to be able to do it public like this. Well, I love it. So let's let's do it. Let's do but it. How, how, how long do you usually wait? Like two two more minutes? Like five minutes? No, that's isn't that one of the problems with, with these kind of spaces. You <laughs> want to get started, but you also want to get this initial kind yeah. of group of people. I think I, I'm ready to go. Yeah, like, I'm ready to go uh, too. reward the early. We have so many more people here than I'm used to. Usually, it's like 
one <laughs> that's hanging out because you know <laughs> people are going to look at this and go wait why is arvid talking to darren he's got 1496 followers or whatever <laughs> right well, hey, you know honestly that's a lot of followers it you gotta, is you gotta say, i'm grateful like... for every one of them but it's so funny how we make these snap judgments right so oh yeah but absolutely. let's definitely dive in i'm so excited it's uh we've got arvid call here and you know we've known each other for a while i feel like i know you more than you know me but I've been looking forward to a conversation with you for many, many months. Um, I've enjoyed your books. I haven't yet done your course because I swore off taking more audience building and Twitter courses after I purchased <laughs> too many last year. Um, but today we're going to talk about um, audience building. We're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about online courses. And we're going to take some questions about 20, 30 minutes from now. So stick around, have your questions queued up. Uh, we make it there sooner, depending on how uh, long we talk at each other. Right. But um, here we go. Let's dive in, Arvid. Do you want to um, give people a little bit of background about yourself, what you do, um, how you became such a uh, massive powerhouse here on Twitter and in the audience and building in public space? Oh, well, thanks for, for that opportunity. Honestly, I don't really know what to say. I think I yesterday um, I was just like hanging out with family and we were talking about like our professions, what we do. And I, I considered, well, I'm actually a writer. <laughs> That's something I would never have said a couple of years ago because I was a software engineer and I was a founder and all that kind of stuff. But now looking at what I do every day. I really am I'm writing and that's 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 what I would describe myself as at this point and that harmonizes really well with building an audience on Twitter because Twitter is essentially a writing platform people just don't know it right people consider Twitter to be like this news thing or where brands are but honestly everybody on Twitter that builds an audience around something be it their business or like an organization or a cause that they want to build it around the best people that actually build audiences are just really good writers. They've just got really good at conveying information in a format that engages people and gets them to share it or to interact with it and to trust the person behind the words to wanting to want to help them, right? To, to something to, to give meaning and value to that interaction. So I would consider myself a writer. I always uh, say I'm at the intersection of these many things, right? I, I'm a coder. I can code, I can build businesses because that's what I've been doing the last uh, decade or so, software businesses, all kinds of things. And now I'm just really building a media business around my knowledge and my understanding of building software businesses. And I do this in public and I encourage people to do this in public because it's just so much more enjoyable when we all teach each other. So that's, that's kind of how I would introduce myself in so many words. That's amazing. I share that same kind of weird um, moment of, I think I'm actually like an author now. Um, and it's so interesting because, you know, I'm a film producer. I've had 15, 16 years working in the film industry, but, you know, I've always written blogs or I've, I've published books before as well. And I got into making these online courses and we're going to talk about all this stuff over the next little bit. But I want to start out with, um, let's talk about using a book as a way to build an audience. And I'm not sure if you approached your first book with that mindset or that framing of like, I'm going to use this as a catalyst. But I want to quickly share my experience over the last six, eight months as I've done this, because I sat here on Twitter last summer and I had like 850 followers or something like that and realized that I wanted to have more impact, reach more creators. And, you know, I was making these online courses with my company, Craftsman Creative, but they weren't reaching the amount of people that I wanted to reach. And so I was like, well, what, what's a better way to do it? Well, I'm going to start writing. Well, what if I, instead of trying to spin up a blog again, what if I actually did a book? 
because then there's some momentum that's building. There's some context around it. It all has kind of a similar topic, et cetera, et cetera. So I set out to do that. I just posted the tweet in the, in the nest here in the space, but like I kicked it off at the end of August and then within three months had a book, but I also had about four or 500 new followers and a new segment of an email list that was really interested in this topic of becoming like a full-time six figure creator. And all of that is kind of just continually snowballed as I've, you know, spent more time on Twitter building in public as I've gone through and um, done other projects like film projects and producing a movie and all this stuff. And it, it's so interesting. So I strategically used a book as a vehicle to gain more awareness and engagement and following here on Twitter. How did you approach, like, when did you decide I'm going to write a book about this topic? And were you thinking in that same way of like, I'm going to use this as a way to get an outcome or tell me about your process and your story there with your two books. It's funny for the first book, it was the complete opposite. I didn't even know that I was writing a book until it was half done because I started with a blog, right? That's, that's uh, the first thing I did after we sold Feedback Panda, our SaaS business that, that we built to, what was it? $55,000 in monthly recurring revenue. And then we sold it. So it was quite substantial. And when we, when we sold the business, I tried to find some, something meaningful to keep doing because, you know, when you give away a business to somebody else, all the work you put into it is suddenly ripped apart from you, kind of taken away, obviously exchanged for money, but still like it's hard to find passion and meaning when you don't have anything to do. So I was trying to find something meaningful for, um, for myself to do that would allow me to help people because that's what I loved about entrepreneurship and, and building and running businesses. And I thought, okay, let's just, let's start sharing what I know with the people that are in a position that I was in a couple of years ago. And that was around like 2019, uh, middle of the year. That's when we sold the business. And I, I just quickly started, okay, let, let, let's just write. I had have so much experience building this business and like figuring out pricing and learning how to deal with customer service and how to actually build the software behind it and keep it running and all that stuff. So I thought, let's start a blog. Let's just keep writing and send it out on Twitter or somewhere. I didn't even use Twitter much at that point. I had 400 followers that I had accumulated over like 10 years or so on the platform. It wasn't, wasn't a lot. Um, I just started writing. And I only really wrote blog posts. I never considered this to be a book. And it was 20-some articles, 20 weeks, weekly articles, I guess, into me writing, keeping um, a regular pace of writing new articles that people started reaching out to me and saying, hey, you, you have written so much stuff and it all kind of seems to fit together. What, what's what's there? What's behind this? I guess they're a bigger project. And that's when I started thinking about, okay, this I, I could actually pull this together. And I pulled it together into a free guide, like a compendium where I would write a little paragraph on each like title of each blog post that I had envisioned I would write about this and would link to the articles of the blog post that I had already written. And it turned out to be like a 20,000 word guide, like something I put on my website, uh, the Bootstrap Founder, which is my blog for free. And people said, okay, hey, this is awesome. If you ever turn this into a book, I would pre-order this. That was like I, Andrew Gazdecki, the guy behind MicroAcquire. I still have this tweet somewhere saved in my bookmarks. He encouraged me to write a book at a moment where I didn't even know that I wanted to write a book or I never considered doing it. So my first book kind of happened on the blog. Then I pulled it all together and the rest of the stuff, like the half of it that I hadn't written yet, was written more consciously as chapters of a book. But it all came together in Zero to Salt, which was my first book. And the response that I got after self-publishing this book in must have been June 2020, I think, it was so overwhelming. Like the thing turned into 
an Amazon bestseller within one day of me releasing it. That was awesome. And to this day, I, I still sell a couple of books every single day, which is really cool as a, as a self-published writer. Um, and then I thought, okay, this was awesome. I want to keep doing this. So for my second book, I, I very much thought about how can I use this process of writing the book to make sure that this, A, turns out to be a better product than my first one, and B, creates some kind of, not just buzz, but actual interest, meaningful interest and relationships around me writing the book with the people that I want to help in writing the book. So that's why my, my second book, The Embedded Entrepreneur, was something that I wrote in public. Most of the book was written both, again, as blog posts, as newsletter posts that I put out every week, and also as something that I discussed with people in public as it happened. And then there was this other part, and we can talk about this at length, where I invited a couple hundred people as beta readers or alpha readers, I guess, because there was multiple stages that helped me refine the actual book, the actual manuscript from my first draft to what then hit the shelves, Amazon shelves, I guess, um, and resulted in a book that cost just as much, if not even more, in, in sales and um, reach for the things that I wanted to convey. So the second book, yes, it was more intentional, but more intentional in the sense that I wanted to create a better product, not necessarily that I wanted to just, just, and I mean this in scare quotes, create an audience around my brand. For me, all of these things kind of fall into each other because what I say on Twitter is both my personal stuff and it's my professional brand. And the books that I create are both things that people can use as a guideline to getting better at building their own businesses and creating audiences around their, the projects that they have. And they are essentially a calling card for me. They're like a business card that I put out there for people to find me. So all of this, all the brand building and all the, the knowledge transfer, that's all the same. And that's how I approached writing that book, the second book. And yeah, I guess now that I'm creating courses, it's the same, right? It's, it's not the book, but it's an info product, just happens to be video instead of paper. But again, building, I built uh, Find Your Following my Twitter course in public with the people that on Twitter I knew needed this course or at least wanted some, some help in, in building uh, an audience better. So all of this happens, it's kind of the same thing to me. It's a process of involving people that I want to help in creating the thing that solves their problem for them and they can tell me if it actually does before I sell it. Amazing. I, I spoke with uh, Hassan Osman last week and he calls books a uh, business card on steroids. Yeah. And I completely agree. It's so, so true. Um, my experience just from writing the book, it's not even published yet. And my book comes out next month, but just from writing it in public, um, which is something that I saw that you did. And I think we both are in Rob Fitzpatrick's mm -hmm. um, writer, right? The uh, authors, what is it? Nonfiction authors right. group. Um, and he has this book called Write Useful Books. And I think we've both read it and applied it. And it's such a, a powerful thing. Uh, my personal experience is that just in the process of writing the book, I've already lined up over $50,000 of mm -hmm. revenue for this calendar year from consulting clients, coaching clients, pre-orders, things like that. Like the book isn't really even yeah. available yet. Like if someone wanted was was uh, aspiring to like go buy the book, they could figure it out right now, but it's not like something I'm publicizing yet because I'm not ready. Um, so this building in public thing is very, very powerful. So my question to you is what are the things that make, make it work as a building in public vehicle, whether it be a course, whether it be 
a book, let me try to rephrase that. Maybe sounds weird, but like, what are the things that we can do? If you're someone listening to this, what's something they can do to go from being a blogger or a Twitterer, like someone who writes tweets consistently or writes content consistently, what are the actual actions that take you from like a content creator to a build in public content creator? And why, cause you say that you think everybody should build in public, why? So what are the things that you do and why is that so important to incorporate? Well, here's one thing about people, like they love to complain. And I come from a country, I'm German, right? So my people in Germany, that, that's a national sport is to complain about everything at all times. And the moment you go into any kind of community, be that like a Facebook community or on Twitter, like the, the conversations that happen in a particular space or LinkedIn groups or whatever it is, right? Private communities, um, it doesn't matter what it is. It could even be a, a, a real life community, like a club somewhere or an event. You will see and hear people complain about their problems. They, they will also do other things, obviously. But one of the things that unites every community and the more tribal it gets, the more people really know each other well and there's a hierarchy and they all have the same interests, the more clearly you can see this. Complaints are indications of problems that people are looking for a solution to. So when you are part of a community like the indie hacker community or the entrepreneurial community, whatever it is, just listening to people complain about stuff can give you a pretty clear indication that you can create something that they need help with. And that is that is true for info products, for books or for courses or for service products like consulting or for productized services or even software as a service businesses that turn this kind of service into an actual software product. So that's where problem discovery happens. Within a community, it's much easier to figure out what people actually have a budget for than if you just guess, right? And that's, to me, is an, an audience, a community-first approach to building a business. And it turns out the most compatible businesses for building something in then in public in front of those people in the community are info products and software as a service businesses because there's always something to share. Either with an info product like a book, you have a manuscript, you have a process of writing, and you have fragments of that writing that you can share with people while you write other things. It's wonderful. Like you read something, every week I write something, told you about that already, right? And I put that out there and then I write something else. And then over the next weeks, people start reading the, the post or the article, whatever I wrote a couple of weeks ago, and they give me their opinion. Like every day, uh, or not every day, but every other day, kind of. I get an email from somebody who um, wrote my latest blog post, or they listen to my latest podcast episode. The content between my podcast, my blog, and my my newsletter is the exact same. I use three different ways of disseminating the same kind of information because I would rather put three times the effort into one thing than write three things that nobody really cares about. So I have the same content across all of the the mediums in in which I communicate it. And somebody finds something and they they get back to me. So they tell me, hey, I have this experience that mirrors that. Or they tell me, hey, this is something that I don't think is true. And then they tell me their, their opposite uh, opinion. And then I can work this into my content. So over time, everything I do gets better just from it being out there and from people feeling invited to share their opinion with me. And that is what building in public is about, right? You want feedback loops with the people that care about the thing in its infancy already. And with a book, that could just be like your first couple chapters or even just your outline. Like the outline method is such a wonderful thing. And I've used that for, for the embedded entrepreneur as well. I shared the outline of my book and asked people, hey, this is what I want to talk about. Um, do you think this is cool? Is there anything missing? And I got, got opinions. I got people like tweeting about it. I got people like sending me emails. It was wonderful. People were essentially doing the editorial job 
in a way that allowed me to pick and choose um, because obviously if you have a couple thousand people telling you what they need, you have a couple different, a couple thousand different opinions. And that is a problem with building a public. You have to kind of filter out the feedback as it comes, but you get like this overall sense of what people want you to do to help them and what you shouldn't do because it wouldn't help them. And you get that from a very early point. I built a lot of businesses in my past it kind of in the dark without involving my audience until it was too late and nobody cared. So I have a lot of experience in building things that nobody cared about because I had a lot of assumptions and I didn't validate them. And building in public is the antidote to validation or the, anti the antidote to not validating, right? Because you have to validate. So validation is the antidote to this ignorance of um, not knowing what you're going to be building. And and, and with a with a blogger, like if if you are a blogger, or if you're just somebody in an industry that considers themselves to be average, right? Because I I consider myself to be a kind of average software engineer. Uh, you could tell me I need this product, I need this kind of um I don't know like problem solved, and I could probably build you a software tool that can solve this problem for you in in a week or so. There are people who could do this in a day, and there are a few people who could do this in a couple hours. I probably cannot, but I don't need to. The thing is, I can already teach just from knowing how to do it kind of well, because there are so many people who don't know how to do it at all. And I've seen a lot of people follow this route. They know how to do something pretty well. They start blogging about it. They have a blog to just share the problems that come up in their day-to-day -day work. I had a colleague once at a business I was working in. It was a, um, a, yeah, a systems administrator, kind of DevOps person, right? Building a lot of tools that were working on servers and keeping things, keeping the lights on in the, in the software world. And he just wrote about these things as they appeared on his personal blog. And he'd been running this blog for so long that he attracted an, an audience of thousands of people every single time he wrote a post. And he was not on Twitter. He was not on Facebook. He was just on his blog and he solved problems that people cared about. And over that, over that time span, he put ads on his blog and he was monetizing that pretty well that it made him like a second kind of income just from a blog. And I, I, I see this happening. It's just consistency. That is really what pays, right? You have an idea of how you can help people and you just share everything you know about it. You do it reliably, consistently, every single week, every couple of weeks, every month. It doesn't really matter. The, the more regular you are, the better because people expect new things from you. But, you know, you just have this kind of pace at which you go. You share and you talk about it and you and you get people to engage with you by engaging with them. You you share what you know, and you go to what they have to talk, have to say, and you engage with that. And over time, this will trickle in an audience to your content, and that will amplify the reach that you get to reach more people to maybe be interested in your stuff. And that's kind of how, how building in public, sharing in public works. And then with that blog, you get to eventually condense the things that you write about into a course because you've covered so many topics that you can now give um, instruction on the whole field or you write a book about it because you have something very specific that you want to talk about with a book and that lends itself better than a course. doesn't really matter what kind of product it is, but you can monetize that as a product. And any info product, be it a book, a course, or a, a video or something, is something that you can use to yeah, put your name further out there because people who like that course will recommend it to their friends who might not have heard of you. And then they find you, see what you're building, and they get involved. And that's that's kind of how this loop continues going. Amazing. Holy cow, there's so much in there that we could like zoom in on or double click on. I have one or two things that I want to bring up, but 
um, just to, you know, make sure that we're paying attention to everybody that's here. Thank you all for being in the mm-hmm. room with us. Um, if you have questions, we're definitely going to open it up to questions in a few minutes after this next little, you know, few minutes of conversation, because uh, we, we definitely want this to be about you, not just about us. And that's really what I wanted to focus on from your comments just now is that a lot of times people who promote the building in public ethos are using it to get more for themselves. The best way to grow your audience is to build in public. The best way to sell more of your stuff is build in public. And it's very like inward facing. It's a lot about the outcome of how do I get more Mm -hmm. things from this process? Oh, if I build in public, then everything's going to go faster and I'm going to make more and it's going to come into me and me, 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 Mm -hmm. right? Whereas you seem to have a very opposite approach where you're first, you started talking about listening when people complain about products. And then you're thinking about building things for people to solve those solutions. There's a whole lot of humility and, you know, a focus on contribution and giving. And I, I just love the way that you approach building in public for that reason, which is part of the reason why I think you've been so successful and had so much come back to you. There's this principle of, you have to exhale in order to inhale. You can't just inhale all the time because you'll die, right? It's unsustainable. You have to give in order to get. And you like you kind of really um, exemplify this ethos of giving a ton of value before any transaction takes place. It doesn't seem like for you, this is about making more money or about increasing um, some metric or some ROI or some MRR or whatever the metric of the day might be for, you know, other builders out there. So d- am I right in saying yeah. that? Do you oh, believe absolutely. that is, why is that important? I, I think you're, you're perfectly right. But the, the thing is like, obviously I'm also in this for myself a little bit, right? Like there's, there's no true sure. selflessness in anything. And I, I just think um, like, I, I have to be honest and, and very clear here. I try to be selfless in, in most things that I do. I try to teach more than than I get from other people, right? I try to give more knowing that um, if I help my community, some, sometimes um, it might take a while, but eventually it will come back to me. I just, I've just learned this throughout my life that no matter um, how long it might take, things will eventually turn around and come back to you. And I've thought about this a lot over, over the um, in the past, and I, I also I think I talk about this in, in my Twitter course because that's one of the concepts that, particularly on Twitter, I find so interesting. There's eventual reciprocity, right? If you if you give and give and give, you only have to think about your your friends and family. Like if you give people, if you go do chores for them, if you get stuff for them, if you like go to their homes and fix their showers or whatnot, eventually they will want to give back to you. Like there are people out there like sociopaths and and people who are manipulative that only take, take, take. But most people are not like that. Most people cannot help giving back at some point. Like they just can't help it. Like if if you write something really, really cool every single week and I read it and I really get something valuable from that, eventually I'll help you in some capacity. It doesn't have to be money. could just be me retweeting your stuff more or me writing um, a, a public endorsement of your work. To, to my followers, something like that. That's kind of the Twitter perspective of giving back, right? Or I buy you a book or I call you on a consulting call and pay you a couple hundred dollars, something like that. I kind of want to give back because you've given me so much. And that happens at some point with most people. Now, the, the trick here that I have learned for myself is that you just have to delay this need for gratification. 
my KPIs are, I look at them in years. I don't look at them like in a day-to-day kind of situation. My KPI is how many people can I help today? So that eventually a, a huge fraction of them will want to help me later down the line, three, four, five, six months from now, in some way. When I release my next book, they think, okay, this is an opportunity for me to spread the word. Or maybe, hey, this is something that I would like to read and I'm going to go buy it. Right? This is how I approach business as a concept. To me, business is an infinite game. I cannot win business. This is not a soccer match, right? This is not where something where I, I score a goal and then I, I win and the, the other people lose. That's not how communities work. That's not how business works. And it's not how Twitter works. But if, if, I, if I help people to be more successful on Twitter, I end up being more successful on Twitter. That if I optimize for my own success on Twitter, all I need to do is to optimize for other people's success and they will drag me along. That's kind of how I, how I approach Twitter. That's how I approach audience building. I'm trying to create win-win situations. Their win comes first and then my win comes at a later point. And that's kind of a selfless selfishness because my selfishness is that I do these things in a, knowing that eventually they'll come back around, but the self, selflessness happens today. Today I give for free. Today I spend 10 minutes responding to a DM of a person with 20 followers that has a business problem. I know that this is not the smartest thing to do, at least that's what people tell me, in terms of reaching a massive amount of people at one time, doing marketing or some kind of sales stuff. I don't care. I want to help this person because I know that if this really helps them, then two things happen. First, they actually get somewhere with their business. That's the big thing, right? They, they, I elevate, I help them elevate themselves out of their current situation into a better situation. So they will always remember me in, in that moment. And two, they might take that what I shared with them and teach that to other people and help them help themselves. And when they ask, where did you learn this? I will come up somewhere in that conversation. Or maybe not, doesn't matter. Like, they, But they know, right? That, that's the thing. I trust that the deeds that I do today will come back to me. Eventual reciprocity and delayed gratification. Put them together and you have the, the basic core foundation of how I approach everything in business. Gosh, that's brilliant. Okay, let's open this up to our audience here. We've got some amazing people in the room. So I definitely, if you have a question for Arvid or myself or both of us, uh, if you want to talk about building in public and audience building and books and courses or anything else, go ahead and raise your hand uh, and bear with me because this is the first time I've like invited people <laughs> on stage. Um, so if you have a question, let us know. We are totally game to start diving in and uh, making sure that we're delivering the value that we promised with this yes. whole <laughs> Twitter space. Um, I'll give it a, a couple of seconds here be- before I continue on, because I do have a follow-on mm. question that I can ask to keep us going. Um, but my goodness, this is amazing. And like, you know, I could tell that we were kind of kindred spirits. You may not have known that, but like all of the ethos stuff that you've been talking about, the way that you approach and think about audience building and building in public and business is just perfectly in line with how I try to operate as well. And it's so refreshing to hear that because you can really get into some uh, rabbit holes here on Twitter, especially uh, Mm. (laughs) about different approaches to stuff. So, all right, we do have somebody who wants to come on. So we've got Ryan here. Ryan, hello. Got a question for us. Yeah. Hey, sorry, guys. I've been hopping in and out. So you might have answered this already. Um, (laughs) What is kind of the time frame we talk about building in public that you should allot? Because... 
Um, I've heard you talk about, you know, the, 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 the helping and the being resourceful. Are you thinking that, hey, this is like a two-year process? Is this a six-month process? Can you uh, speed it up by going and targeting kind of some of those niches that need help? Well, that's really good my question. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you, sir. So I'll give my short answer, and then I want to hear yours, Jarvid. Mm-hmm. So um, when I started a business right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I said, I'm going to give this two years to really make a go at it. I'm going to try to build an audience. I'm going to try to make actual money at this to where it could potentially be a side income or replace my income. And two years was the timeline I gave for that business. Um, But when I started the book in the fall, in uh, August, end of August of last year, I said, I want to have this book launched in eight months and I want to get my audience up to 2,500 people. And so it's a much shorter timeline, but I've learned over time that the more specific you can get with your goals and then more specific you can get with your plans, the, the higher likelihood you have to achieve those goals. And I feel like I'm on track to do both. The book launches next month and you know I'm well on my way to those 2,500 people. It's one of those weird slope things where it starts off really, really um, slow and then it starts building. And I feel like I'm right at mm-hmm. that point where you know, things are starting to build, but Arvid, what's your take on that? Oh, real quick. This is something that I always try to tell people in these situations is that when there's an open Q and a, and you're trying to do what Arvid talked about a few minutes ago, like listening when other people have questions, this is a good opportunity to like get out a notebook and like write down the questions people ask, because there's content for you right there. You can answer those things. You can create a podcast about it. You can create a YouTube video about it. You can create a course about it. So like, actually do that like listen and take notes and it's a good practice to have thanks for pointing that out that that is that is a really important thing like this is literally somebody's problem right so thanks ryan for for asking this question you're looking for a solution The, the problem with this particular question is that it says very unique to to whatever you're trying to do right if you want to write a book and you are uh, on, a, on a particular cadence already with a blog, that won't take you that long. And if you want to build that book in public, you just really have to amplify your efforts in exposing your new chapters or whatever updates you do. This could also be a software project and you have a new feature or you're building something else. But if you have something already going, then it's a question of how can you amplify this feedback cycle that I was talking about earlier, where you want people to be involved in these little fragments so that they have this overall interest in the outcome of the process. If you have to start from scratch, this can easily take half a year or more. I think that's kind of my my golden uh, golden middle point at this point. I've seen many, many people getting into building in public and it's around the four to six month mark where people find that they have this critical mass of engagement and interest. And that comes from a, I guess, daily engagement with their existing audience or somebody else's existing audience in the field. I, I call this the audience audition, where you go to big accounts in your field and you interact with when they post what people have to say. You join a conversation, you kind of audition in front of their audience, right? You go to Peter Level's audience or maybe my audience. Uh, if you like indie founders that also like Games Workshop miniatures and talking about World of Warcraft all day, you know, like these people. So you, uh, you audition in front of these people to make some of them interested in what you have to say. And then they come to your Twitter stream and they see you building in public and then they get, oh yeah, okay, this seems like somebody that I should follow. And they engage, sometimes they engage with your content, sometimes they engage with your updates, sometimes they engage with your engagement. 
people are different. So you'll have to kind of tune uh, your content and your engagement method at, to, to those particular people, depending on the industry you're in. But what I'm trying to say, six months, four months, five months, sometimes a bit longer, depending um, on the group of people and how often they interact with content on the web. Entrepreneurs usually are here every day, software engineers too, but there are some people that only come to Twitter because there's a game of their favorite team. And that's once every couple of days, right? So you have to look into that pacing as well. And that stretches out the whole process, depending again on the industry. But six months is like the baseline. And I've been writing for around, what is it? Two years and three months at this point. So two years and three months ago, um, November, is that right? I don't know what, what month is it? You know, like November, December, 2019 just before the world changed forever, if you remember that, um, I had a couple hundred followers. And ever since then, I've spent every single day, minus the days where I just was sick or something, but every single productive day of my life, engaging with people on Twitter in a way that I try to engage with people in their ongoing conversations. And then later I started like talking more about my own stuff, but in the beginning it was more about theirs. And that's, what led me to what is I think now 56-ish thousand followers. I don't re even really know around that number, right? That's where I'm at today. And my products, mm -hmm. I built the same pace. I just talked about what I was doing. And I still do this every single day. I try to talk about what I am working on right now. And that is the process for me. And that is the process that I see is successful for other people, continuously showing up every single day. And after a couple months, you see some activity i mean obviously you see some activity after a couple of days but maybe not enough to think oh this is good and i think darren just said it right you have this exponential growth pattern where for the longest time there's nothing and then there are these cumulative effects then there are these kind of compound effects where okay you just have two people talking today and you have like three people talking the other day but then there's this kind of fibonacci pattern where there's five the next day and eight and 13 and 21 and you know like it just keeps increasing and all of a sudden you have an audience of thousands of people after a couple months that because they like what you've been doing for the last couple months and days and weeks are really engaging with you because those are the people that self-select into your audience to so just keep going and i think if you don't see anything in half a year you might really want to reconsider if your approach is the right one. Because I mean, obviously you might want to do this every couple of weeks, but the idea is within half a year, you should see results. And if not, you're either talking to the wrong people, you're talking to the right people the wrong way, or you're talking to the right people the right way, but at the wrong time. I have a couple of, mm. couple of vectors there. No, that's <laughs> so true. I I'll echo that and I'll point you, Ryan, to my pinned tweet that's also shared here in the space. But like, I literally started a thread on August 25th and every day I would add a new tweet to the thread. And it was three months later that I had a book and about 400 new or what, 250 or so new followers on Twitter, a hundred and something new email subscribers, and it already landed a coaching client at a thousand dollars a month. So it can go quickly, but I think the, the one element that determines how quickly it goes is your consistency. It's not about getting the right amount of retweets from people like Arvid. It's not about, um, you know, commenting on the right, the perfect right account or going viral or anything like that. It's not anything external. It's, it comes down to what you are capable of doing and showing up every single day. That consistency is what compounds over time to where you start seeing that exponential aspect start to come in. At least that's been my experience with this very specific project over the last six, eight months. Um, but it echoes almost perfectly Arvid's timeline and what he just spoke about. You know, if you're not, 
if you're not seeing results after four or five, six months, it's time to assess. It's time to think like a founder and think like an entrepreneur and go, okay, well, how can I optimize this? How can I fix it? It's not working the way I want it to. It's not getting me the outcome that I want. What am I going to do? Yeah, just, just don't do it too early. Like that's, that's one of the things too. If you have this founder entrepreneur mindset, you're always questioning what you're doing. And that can be problematic because if you question after a week of doing one thing, if that thing is right or not, then you're looking at not enough data to make a good judgment on, right? Because like the compound effect takes a long time to establish or not establish itself. So uh, it can be problematic if you start assessing this too early because you just didn't have enough exposure. And particularly on Twitter, there's, there's, uh, there's a couple things that, that people look at before they decide to follow you or not. And they, they look at the tweet that they found you with, right? Some random tweet that the first tweet they see you on, or maybe the second, maybe the 10th, but they see your face, they see your name and they see what you say. That's like the first hook. And then they're interested in that. Either they engage or they look at your profile. That's the second one. They look at your bio, they look at your avatar picture, your header picture, the link you have in there, your your description or whatever it is. They look at that. And if they're not convinced, well, then they may, may, they, they may just not go anywhere. They may just return to the stream and look at something else or they scroll down. And they scroll down and they look at all your tweets. They look at your pinned tweet and they look at all the things that you said over the last couple hours. And if they scroll and they don't see much, or what they see is chaotic, or what they see it doesn't seem to follow a pattern, then you have a problem. Because now you're just exposing to this person that was still interested enough in checking you out that there's nothing for them in your feed. But if they see, oh, wow, this person has been writing consistently about my topic that I care about for the last 50 days, that's a follow. So this consistency, this just needs time to establish. Because you don't tweet 50 cool things in a day but you can tweet one cool thing every day for 50 days. So you just need to stay with it for at least a couple of weeks before you start reassessing if it's, if it needs to be changed or not. But then again, like there's a, there's a lower ceiling or lower limit and there's an upper ceiling. So I would say do it for a month and after three or four months, look into assessing it, but not earlier and not later. Otherwise you're wasting time. Amazing. Ryan, thank you for that question. So we've got, Jia, Jaya, sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Go ahead and unmute yourself. You've got a question. Yeah. Right That's all right. Yeah, there you go. All right. Do you have a question for us? Can't really hear you just yet. You're still muted. If you're if you're speaking, you're muted. Um so Arvid, I've got a follow-on question then. So what are the one or two things that people need to do to start building in public? Because I see this a lot, especially when you tweet out stuff about building public. A lot of people are like, well, what do you, how do you get started? What's the first step? What do I do next? So if they're in the early stages, maybe they're in those first few weeks where they haven't seen any results. Like what are the things that you are often recommending to people or teaching people in your content are the the like the things that move the needle the most when you're getting started well one of the I, I guess more surprising things is find people around you who do something similar start following them and get some kind of hooks into their audience because if you build in public in front of nobody well then nobody's gonna see you right like it's this is not a if you build it they will come it's literally the opposite of that and everything um, that we do in in um in entrepreneurship 
it, it kind of proves this right, right? If you build it, they won't come. Look at Product Hunt. Look at not the top four products that get a lot of attention. Look at the bottom 400 every day, and you will see how many products out there are built and nobody comes because nobody is interested. Nobody was being involved in the process. It was some person building something for a nebulous audience for years, maybe months, maybe not years. That would be very sad, but enough. A couple months of building something <laughs> in your basement, not talking to your customers, that's sad enough. And that results in something that people don't engage with because nobody cares. And I mean this in the most positive way. No, nobody cares because nobody knows. So by putting yourself out there, you have to have some kind of capacity of already interacting with people for it to, to see it, which is why in, in, in my Twitter course, I, I tell people, if you want to build an audience on Twitter, don't post tweets, post replies, engage with people. Because if you post tweets to an audience of zero, zero people are going to see it. It's unsurprising that nobody wants to follow you because nobody sees what you're saying. So nobody gets to interact with you. But if you interact with people, then they might interact back. They might actually find you to be interesting because you helped them, because you supported them, you motivated them, whatever you did, some positive thing that they kind of know you through, right? That's their relationship with you. They have a really, really tiny connection, but that's a positive one. And that's what you want to build before you start pushing your content out there. You want to build an engagement system with people that are surrounding other people that are already building in public. So follow your favorite builders in your area. If you're a writer, follow the writers that do this, that write in public. If you are a software entrepreneur, follow all these cool people from all these cool SaaS businesses out there that teach in public, that share, that are going podcasts, that share updates of their, for their business or something and follow them interact with their audience, audience audition, I explained that earlier, and then get a couple of people to follow you and then start building your thing in public. And the first things you can do about building in public is explaining why you're building in public and what you want to be building. And then you share either information about this, you um, share little updates, status updates, all of this. I, again, that, that's what I talk in the course uh, about in the course as well, because the whole course is really about Twitter and building a public mixed into one because I couldn't restrain myself to one piece of content. I had to kind of do it all. But the idea is you start being consistent in front of people that you've already aged, that you already built a tiny little connection with. And through that, these people will strengthen their connection with you and will invite their peers and friends to have this little initial connection with you as well. So the first thing about building a public is not to start building a public, but to start building a group of people that are interested in you and interesting enough for you to interact with. And I see Igor is here, so let's go. <laughs> yes, oh, that was such great answer though. I loved that. You're welcome. What's up, Igor? Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I, I have a question. I, I know you already recorded the episode on oversharing. Mm -hmm. But uh, the ratio of sharing positive and negative things that are happening while you're building in public. Mm -hmm. be you know, be because I guess if you just share the bad news, people will probably start, stop following you, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm guessing should we always, I don't know, if we have two bad news, should we wait until we have some good news to publish? <laughs> That's an interesting point. Um, thanks, thank you for asking this because obviously um, if you only talk about how much everything sucks and how you're running into walls left, right, and center, that will color your whole brand, 
right? And that's what, what pe- that's why people don't want to share bad news in the first place because they have this fear of um, people not trusting them because they failed or of businesses not becoming customers because they see you uh, not being the most successful version of yourself. Obviously, a little bit of vulnerability goes a long way in building like actual human-to-human connections on Twitter and in business as well. But um, your question kind of yeah touches on an interesting point. I would say you can share bad news as much as you have. It really depends on how you frame it. Because you can say, oh, I had a really bad interaction with a customer today and it sucked. Or you could say, today I learned that if you use certain words in a response to an irate customer, you can calm them down. Or today I learned that if you give a, a coupon code to a customer who's, who's threatening to cancel, you have a chance to reactivate them, right? It's all about how can you use the knowledge that you have accumulated in responding to an event or maybe in just suffering through an event. I, 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 today I learned that 10 minutes of meditation allowed me to deal with my, I don't know, server infrastructure problem, whatever it is. You can take it and turn it into a teaching opportunity because what building in public really is, is teaching. It's teaching at scale. It's teaching from your position on your journey, in your entrepreneurial journey, teaching to the people right behind you. That's what this is about. So the the suffering that you go through, the, the sadness that you feel, the, the problems that you run into, they're always interesting. But the way you communicate them makes this a thing that people want to read or a thing that people get oversaturated by. Because most of oversharing is about oversaturating your feed with one particular kind of message, right? In, in the article that you mentioned, the, the blog, uh, blog post slash podcast that I, um, that I talked about, I talk about the saturated feed and the audience message disconnect and the self-sabotage share. These are the three things. But um, the saturated feed is the biggest problem. Because if I, I kind of talked about this earlier in, in a response. If people see one thing in your feed, that's usually a good thing because they see, okay, this person is consistent. But if that thing is then also super annoying and you have nothing else but that, well, that is going to be a problem. So frame these things in a positive way. Even negative experience can be framed positively as a learning and an opportunity to overcome an inhibition or to, to put something a better process in place and if you do that then you could can take all of your negative things and put them out there just yeah turn it into teaching that would be my approach brilliant i'm gonna double down on that too i think the framing is such an important part of it and one thing i've thought a lot about recently is what tone or what emotion do you want people to associate with your brand do you want to come off as like the angry, ornery, like <laughs> really crotchety old no. man kind of vibe? Uh, because if that's the case, you could say something positive and people will still take it negative if they're taking it the wrong way or they don't have the context of who you are as a brand. I've kind of made the decision just over the last few months recently to be, to be decisive in how I am framing good and bad things because I want people to come to my content and think, wow, it's actually possible and it's fun. I want people to think of, oh yeah, I love Darren because he's always so you know, uplifting mm-hmm. and inspiring and he's just trying to show people like it's possible. Yeah. And he's just got this, that word kept coming to mind, this possibility. I want people to flourish. I want to help people have um, fulfillment in their lives. Like these are all these emotions and words and tone that I want to associate with my brand so that even if there is a 
negative thing that happened. Like I really messed up or someone got really mad at me or whatever it might be. I, I broke something or I failed to meet a goal that I set for mm-hmm. myself. I can still put it in that framing. And so I wanted to double down on that because it's it, framing is a great thing. But for me, what that means is tone, emotion, the angle that I'm taking in the way I'm approaching an event that happened or an idea that I'm trying to teach. So I second that. It's so, so it's important. It's incredibly important. Um, can, can I jump into this? Because I... I yeah, I got... but I do think, I think someone requested and maybe I, I booted them. So if that was you, raise your hand again and I'll get you back on yeah, that, That'd be good. I'm, I'm going to try and keep my, my uh, response to this response short as well. It's the first thing that I talk about in the course, by the way, like that, that thing, like finding the values from which you operate. That is one of the most important things for me. And I, I kind of learned this, like I, I used to study computer science and I flunked out of college or I, I said college or university. I guess that's what it is, right? I, I went to university and I dropped out for, for computer science. And then I went to university again for political science and philosophy. And I dropped out of that too. So I'm a double dropout. So that's quite the accomplishment. I don't know. But what it taught me is that there can be core principles in our lives that lead us in every single action that we have. And lots of great um, philosophers and thinkers out there have these principles and they codified them in their work. And I noticed that that some people, you can really feel that they have a core principle. Some people want like justice to be their core principle. Some people want equality to be their core principle. And you feel that in their work. And I want to have that for myself as well. And I want everybody that I teach what, what I know to find that for themselves too. So that's why I start the course off with finding your three core values. And for me, that's engagement and empowerment and providing support or, you know, like being kindness is one of them, being kind to people, being, allowing them to lift themselves up and to lift up others and to always motivate them with a positive light. That's where I'm in. I, I kind of feel the same from you, Darren, because we are, we are really kindred spirits in that, that regard. We both want to be positive empowering and helpful in everything we do and earlier today i was writing my weekly article as i usually do on mondays and i saw the ending that i had written and i didn't like it because it was not positive enough so i rewrote it to be Mm. in sync with all the other things that i write where i say hey even though I, and I have the article this week for me is about like uh, uh, entrepreneurial anti-patterns, what not to do when you start a business. And, and there was kind of a lot of negative things. Don't do this. Don't do that. Cause that is not a good idea. And that will kind of come back to haunt you. But in the end, I wanted this to be an uplifting piece. So I wrote an ending that said, well, all of these things don't work, but look at the, op- the, the, the opposite of this. This is what you could be doing. And then I wrote about the optimal situation in which people could operate, right? And, and that was how I ended my piece because I want everything that I do to at least have this little glimmer of hope for everybody to, okay, there is a way out of this and there is a good way. There is a uh, way to do this the right way or at least not the wrong way. Right. So, so that's, that's kind of how I operate and every tweet I send and everything I write and every podcast that I record, trying to give this little push towards being better, helping more and being supportive for your community. And, and those are my values. And I want everybody to find them as quickly and as early as they can on their journey. Because if you want to build a public, you need to operate from these values, whatever they are for you. Maybe you want to entertain. Maybe you want to instruct. doesn't matter. There's many different values, but you need to know what they are. And then act on them every single time. Absolutely. For the record, my values are contribution and growth. Yeah, that's so nice. I, I fully agree with what you're talking about. If you want to go deeper on that, 
head over to craftsmancreative.co and find my course, which is called Make Something. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole module on coming up and discovering what your values are so that your work can be in alignment with who you really are and who you want to be. So I think both of us, uh, we could talk about that for a long time, but to be respectful of your time and the audience's time, I think it's a good uh, point to wrap mm-hmm. up. So Arvid, where can people find you? Where are you pointing people to? Like, where's your newsletter? And, you know, talk about where they can find everything that you've put out over the last few years. Mm, just follow me on Twitter, honestly. Like, look at my Twitter Twitter bio go. profile. You'll find all of these <laughs> wonderful things that might or might not be of interest to you. But follow me on Twitter or don't follow me on Twitter and, and just DM me your question. That's also fine. Like, I'm, <laughs> they're not requests to follow. But if you're interested, that would be nice. But yeah, Twitter is where I'm at every single day for at least 27 hours, it feels. And, and everything, everything else comes from there. <laughs> So yeah, thanks so much, for, by the way, for, for getting me on this. I'm, I'm, I, f- I find it very interesting that we both talk about the exact same things. Maybe we should have done our courses together to make like a super course or something. <laughs> but it's really, really nice to chat with you. And thanks to, for everybody to be here. Like being here for what is now a good hour, that was a lot of your time. And I'm very, very grateful for everybody who spent their precious time, of which we all have the same amount, by the way, with me and Darren today. That was really, really kind of you. And I... um. Yeah, I hope to be back on one of these with you, Darren. That was really, really nice chat. We'll definitely do a round two. These um, Craftsman Creative Workshops are going to be something that I host at least once a week. I'm getting into a rhythm now, but wanted to find some of the all-stars that I follow here on Twitter to kick it all off. So, um, you know, I'll make the same request. Follow me on Twitter. I'm trying to build this audience, but not for my own benefit, really, because, like I said, I'm all about contribution and growth. And the more creators that I can help, build creative successful businesses is like, that's what my life's all about right now. Um, but if you want to find out about future workshops, uh, I'm calling them workshops, but really Twitter spaces, um, follow me and I'll post about them, but you can also go to Luma slash craftsman creative, all one word. And or that's L U dot M a slash craftsman creative. And you can sign up for stuff there. Um, but you know, again, look at my pin tweet. There's all the info about the book and the whole process of writing it. And you can check out the links in my bio as well. I've got a book coming out next month, which is literally called Craftsman Creative, How Five-Figure Creators Can Build Six-Figure Businesses. So straightforward as I could possibly make it, but I really, really hope to get it in the hands of a lot of amazing creators because, man, I want a future filled with lots of art and music and film and creativity and not just a bunch of people who figured out how to get a high monthly recurring revenue out of a bunch of people. So please keep creating, create every day and share it with us. And yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all being here. It's pretty humbling when you uh, just try out an idea and then 30, 40 people show up and you're just like, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. So Arvid, thanks for your time. Let's please do a round two at some point. And uh, thanks everybody. We'll call it there. Absolutely. Have a great day. Bye-bye.